Good morning. Welcome to Real Life Online. My name is Graham and we started Real Life almost eight years ago for people who feel far from God so they can find real life in Christ. Super glad you're taking the time to hang out with us today and before we jump into singing we got some awesome announcements for you. First of all, last week a group of teenagers and leaders and myself spent our entire week on the Washington coast helping Dunes Bible Camp as they manage this kind of challenging summer uh, without having any campers or ability to keep all of their staff on. We're super excited to share our trip with you guys and we're gonna do that on Sunday, September 6th. So that's right before Labor Day. Uh, if you, even if you're out of town, it'll be online. So September 6th, uh, Labor Day weekend, we are gonna share our trip. We got videos, we got testimonies, we've got pictures, and uh, I'm gonna bring you a little bit of a message as well. Second of all, we've got some awesome news coming up here at Real Life. We are changing how we do everything online and we are inviting you to be a part of that. There's gonna be more information to come every single week and we're gonna release more of that out to you in many different ways as well as we need you to sign up to be the part of it. So look for that stuff to come. And other than that, let me say a quick prayer before we jump into singing. Father, we thank you for today and uh, we thank you so much for our trip over to Dunes and we thank you for our friends over there. We ask that you'll bless their, uh, their mission and uh, Lord, keep uh, providing for them throughout the summer. Lord, meet us here as we learn more about you today and we thank you so much uh, just for the opportunity. We ask for all that in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear Diary, you won't believe what I saw yesterday. I saw a black bear in the supermarket. The water turned pink too. And also, there was floating cows. I saw a shark swimming in the water, but luckily I got, I was near one of those floating dock things. It was like the apocalypse, but times to the coolness. True story. Jumping over the moon. Wow. I know, jumping over it. It's a panda walking down the beach of Lakeland. It was insane. It was like right under us, like that. You won't believe what I saw yesterday in the garden. I saw the Easter Bunny. I know, don't look at me like that. I know it sounds it's crazy, it's the middle of summer, but I saw it right over there with my very own two eyes. True story. Well, good morning, y'all. Good to have you tuning in. We are broadcasting from our favorite studio in the Lakeshine Building Supply Garage uh, broadcast studios. Uh, shout out to you all. Wish we could see you in person from Brewster to Pateras and parts beyond in Okanagan County to Chelan, Manson, Arondo, Eniat, wherever you're listening. Thanks for tuning in. We're in this series called True Story. And we've been talking about what makes a, what makes a good story. What makes a, a good story like a book or a movie? What are the elements where, that you enjoy? Whatever elements those are probably makes a good life as well. So the elements of a good story make for a good life. So how do you tell a good story with your life? Most of the great stories I have in my life usually involve my buddy Huey. Uh, we've been best friends since seventh grade. We, I think he's the only person I stay in contact with from high school. And 
uh, all my stories are about here. I'll, I'll give you, I'll just share one with you. This is one of my favorites. Um, and um, the story is uh, embellished for sake of the story. Uh, but this is pretty much what happened. My buddy Huey was over at his girlfriend's house um, and that was out in the country in Nampa, Idaho. So he was out visiting his girlfriend and he gets out the door of his girlfriend's parents' house to get in his car and go home. And voila, he hears screaming from down this country road. So he walks out the dirt driveway, goes to the country road and he looks and listens. So he starts walking down. And by this time, in his life. He's not the same athlete fit body that he was in high school. So I think he was probably, I don't know how tall he is, probably 5'7", and he was going like, oh, probably three bills, maybe three, 300. I don't know, pretty close to that. And he's, you know, big, red hair, fuzzy. And, you know, so he, he starts walking down the, the country road, hearing this girl screaming, and he gets, oh, two, three, four hundred yards down the road, and this girl comes running out of this country house, screaming, help, help, he's going to kill me, he's going to kill me. So Huey sees a girl running at him, sees a guy coming behind her, so he picks her up, throws her over his uh, five, seven, 300-pound body shoulder and starts running as fast as he can, which I don't think is really fast, although he was scared, maybe he doubled his speed. And goes running down the country road, hurrying as this guy's pursuing him. I think he jumped in his truck and he's come up behind him. It's what great movies are made of is Fuzzy Huey running down the country road, carrying a girl he doesn't know, her angry boyfriend coming behind her, trying to catch up. And he makes it, turns into uh, his uh, girlfriend's parents' house and they call the cops. Boyfriend, I think, drives away. They call the cops Huey recovers, gets, uh, um, uh, you know, 18, 32 ounces of oxygen back in him to recover. They call the cops. And what do you think happened? She didn't press charges. It was a mistake. They were just having a fight. And she went back home with her boyfriend. Not a great ending to a, a great story. But the story, the elements itself are great. Can you imagine if he, and this could happen. I'm sure his brain told him this. As he's running down this country road, carrying this scared girl, that in his brain said, oh, stop, you got to quit here. You are running too far, too fast. You're going to have a heart attack. You're going to fall over. But something inside him said, keep going, keep going. And maybe it was fear that motivated him or just his Eagle Scout heart of rescuing this, this girl. We have been talking about what makes a great story. How do you live a great story? And we've talked every week and we've said, you let God write your story. And as maybe as churchy as that sounds, it's pretty legitimate. There's this verse from the writer of Hebrews in the New Testament said this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter. And perfecter, that word can mean finisher as well. The New King James says, the author and finisher of our faith. Let God write your story. When your story intersects God's story and you're on the same page, that's a powerful way to live a story that you're proud to tell. So we've said there's four decisions we're going to make in order to live a great story. If you've been with us, here they are. If not, I'll review. Uh, you have to decide to start. Create some discipline in your life, one, because the decisions we make today determine the stories we're going to tell tomorrow. So we decided to start a discipline. 
last week we said we decided to stop. We decided to stop doing the things that get in the way of living a great story. And because direction, not intention, determines our destination. Where we're headed, the, the, the goals that we set for each other are going to determine where we end up, not our feelings about where we want to head up. If you missed any of those, you can go to our website and, and, or Facebook page and you can check out those sermons. Today, we want to talk about the decision to stay. That we stay put when it would be easier to go. We feel like we want to quit on something important. Sometimes, depending on where you've been and what your life has been like, you want to quit on God. Maybe you're involved with a church and you're like, I quit on church and these church people. You've been involved with friendships, something didn't go right, you got treated poorly and you said, I'm out of here. Maybe, and maybe you're older, hopefully you're not younger and you quit on a dream that you just thought, ah, this is too difficult. Or in a relationship or in a marriage, you just decided, I'd rather leave than stay. Uh, Some of us, I think maybe every day, we're confronted with the idea of, hey, it's too hard. Yeah, it's too hard to work out. It's too hard to be loving. It's too hard to show up on time. It's too hard, whatever that is. Can you imagine if every morning you woke up and you were able to receive some kind of pep talk, a motivational speech that sounded and looked just like this? Bam. Sons of Scotland, I am William Wallace. William Wallace is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard. Kills men by the hundred. And if he were here, he'd consume the English with fireballs from his eyes and bolts of lightning from his arse. (laughs) I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. Three men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Right? Against that? No! We will run! And we will live. Die. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Can you imagine if uh, William Wallace gave you a pet talk? If you get out of bed every morning, I fight and you may die, run and you'll live at least a while. That there's more. You think quitting is, it would be fine right now, that it's the easiest way, but not in the long run. That eventually someday you'll regret not staying at it. So this morning I want to talk about the decision to stay. Sometimes 
The best decision that you can make is to stay when it would be easier to go. You come up against an obstacle or challenge. It's a job, a, a relationship, a dream, and you make a decision it, regardless of your emotion, right? Even regardless of your circumstance that you decided way before you hit this obstacle, I'm going to stay. And you're like, hey, Kyle, I'm just sitting around enjoying my co- Sunday morning coffee or my Sunday morning mimosa. I don't really have any decisions like that. All right, you will. Maybe this week, maybe next month, but you will. And if you don't decide now to stay at something, then it's so easy to walk away down the road. If you don't decide now to keep your eyes on something bigger than you, to to fix your eyes, to keep your eyes on Jesus, then it's easy to walk away down the road. So even for those of us who aren't in the middle of deciding to stay or go or quit or finish, we still need to decide now so that when we do confront that obstacle, there's a great example of this in the Old Testament. You can find this story in um, the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. The story is about this lady named Naomi and her two daughters-in-law. At one point, here's the backstory. At one point, they were one big happy family. Naomi is uh, happy in love and and her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. Orpah and Ruth are married to her boys and it's like one big happy family. Orpah and Ruth were, were, were not Jewish, did not sit, um, share the same faith and, or, or the same um, country. They're from Moab, far away, but their bo- her boys found them, fell in love, and they all lived together. Well, tragically, Naomi's husband dies. Uh, we don't know what, but Naomi's left at least with her two boys to look out for and her daughters-in-law. Soon after that, her two sons, I can't even imagine, her two sons die. And it's just the girls left. And you say, okay, they can make it. It'll be okay. Charlie's Angels made it with three. They can make it. The problem was society was against them. There was no way, and again, it's a messed up society, I admit it. There's no way they were going to survive without a man. And I know, I know, ladies, I know, that's not the way it is now. Women are, you know, every bit as powerful. I know, I raised two daughters. Um, Yes, but in this society, they were almost doomed. It made them at the level of beggars because they weren't going to just be able to walk down to Starbucks and get a job. There was no way they were were employable. So it's a bad situation. So Naomi pulls her daughter-in-law inside and because Naomi's a good, loving person, she says to her daughter-in-law, listen, you shouldn't suffer the way I'm suffering. Go back to your home. Go back to your country. Find other people, other men to marry. You can start over. You're still young. You don't have to live like this. Let me just live out my days and I'll figure it out and just, well, I'll just bum bread off of people on the street. Well, Orpa did that. Orpa left. Again, nothing against Orpa. That was maybe the easy thing to do. And it was maybe the logical thing to do that she returned home. But Ruth decided to do something extraordinarily different. She decided to stay. She had every right to leave. She had Naomi's blessing to leave, but she decided to stay. And Naomi tries to talk her out of it. In the, in the, the book of Ruth in the Old Testament, it says this. Look, Naomi says, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. There's no reason for you to stay here and suffer. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you 
or turn back from you. Where you will go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And we're like, what the heck? This isn't Ruth's, this isn't Ruth's mother. You would think that makes sense. This is her mother-in-law. Listen, y'all, what lengths would you go to support your mother-in-law? Some of you can't even support her being in your house for a weekend. Ruth is willing to give up everything. And really, her, her give, find a low, low position in society if she stays with her mother-in-law. But that's what she did. And it was a costly decision. Because Naomi and Ruth reached the level, they weren't even the level of slaves. At least a slave had, had food given to them. They were below that. They were unemployable. They were beggars. To survive, Naomi says to Ruth, hey, Ruth, when we get back to our, our hometown here, my hometown, go out in the fields and during harvest, be like the rest of the beggars. Go out and glean the corners of the field. And what would happen was, and maybe you're familiar with this, is when the farmers would harvest their crops, they would always leave the corners that they couldn't get to, but they would leave the corners uh, with the crop. And then poor people, beggars, um, the less fortunate would go out and pick whatever's in those corners. The problem is it was dangerous to be a gleaner that when Ruth would go out in the field, she was taking her life in her hands. Now she had made a decision that, hey, I'm not leaving, I'm staying. She decides, you know what? We're family, Naomi, that the two of us are in this thing together. So in spite of her fear, in spite of the danger, she goes out to glean, even though there was other bad people that would be out there gleaning, and especially as a woman, she could be attacked or worse. For some reason, Boaz, who owned this field, Boaz, let me tell you about Boaz. Here's what I think. Boaz was rich. I think he was hunky, and he's a caring person. Boaz takes notice. Boaz took an interest in Ruth for some reason and says to all his hired hands, listen, when you see her out there, leave extra. Don't bother her. In fact, not only do you guys not bother her, make sure no one else is bothering her. Boaz becomes this, this uh, protector. He, um, the Old Testament calls Boaz, this is an old school word, the kinsman redeemer, that he was a distant relative of Naomi. And it was his duty and his privilege to look out and protect Naomi and her family, especially Ruth. Now, why would he do that? Why, why would this rich guy take an interest in this poor foreigner, the girl not even of his country? And the book of Ruth tells us, watch this. Boaz says, Ruth, I've heard your story. I've heard your story. I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother, your homeland, to come and live with a people that you did not know before. You stayed with your mother-in-law, and that's impressive. The decisions you made a long time ago have determined the story, not only that you're living out, but what I see in you. And I'm very impressed, Ruth, of what you've done. And I know your story, so that's why I'm leaning your direction. Then he gives us blessing. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take rest, refuge. It's because you trusted God, 
because you took refuge in him, Boaz says, I pray, I'm offering this blessing that you get repaid back for the decision, the story you decided to tell. Well, if you read the book, and I would encourage you to go, it's a pretty short book in the Old Testament. We find out through an unusual turn of events, hunky, caring, rich Boaz ends up marrying Ruth. And suddenly, this girl who had no future, this girl who was stuck in the lowest rung of society, is now elevated. Now she, she has a, 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 a caring husband. She has a future. Naomi, her mother-in-law, now has a future too because Boaz will look after her. Ruth goes from what looked, appeared to be nothing with no future at all to being one of two women who have a book of the Bible named after her. In fact, when we look at the, the family lines of Jesus, the lineage of Jesus comes down through Ruth, the Bible tells us, that if she had, just, again, this is a little bit of a push, but if she had decided to leave, to quit, to go back, she would never have experienced, even though it was difficult, the great blessing of what happened to her life. Her total life changed. Now listen, just one more thing about Ruth. This is really key. She didn't choose to stay and support her mother-in-law because she was hoping God would bless her. She just did it because she believed it was the right thing to do, regardless of the outcome. Uh, sometimes you, I, maybe you've already done it, we come to a crossroads in life where we have to decide, are we going to be a, 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 a quitter or a finisher? Because sometimes the best decision that you make is to stay when it would be easier to go. Of course it would be easier. Three things usually come into play. When we, we find ourselves believing and leaving, and I'm not picking on our current society or our current culture because it's been this way when I was a kid and teenager. It's not just the millennials. It's not just the society we live in. It's always been there that it's easier to leave. It's easier to leave when one of three things happens. When we look at our life and our expectations look shattered, where we thought everything I thought my life was going to be has not turned out the way it is. Everything I thought my marriage was going to be, it's not the way it is. Hey, we started this new church and it didn't come the way it's supposed to be. My kids, I wanted this for them. I, uh, my job, I thought was going to take me here. And when our expectations are shattered, then it's easy to quit and walk away and give up. Or you find yourself in a relationship, a marriage, a job where the grass looks greener. It looks better over there. And we've talked about this a lot when we talk about marriage and the marriage series that we do. But if you're in a situation and the grass looks greener somewhere else, then water your own darn grass. Instead of quit, quitting and giving up and trying to find a new pasture, why don't you dig down in water and do what it takes to make your grass greener and better? But it's so easy to quit when over there looks a lot more appealing. The other way it's uh, easy to leave is when your story looks hopeless. And I, I, listen, I'm not diminishing your feelings. Some of you have been through so, so many painful things. And if I and you're like shaking the TV right now saying, Kyle, if you understood where I've been, you would understand why I left. I, I, I'm not, there's no judgment there. But sometimes when life looks hopeless, we're like, ah, it's never going to be better. God will never redeem my pain. And I give up. There's a couple of questions as we turn for home here that I would love for you to answer. We've been asking this question every week for the last few weeks. What does God want you to want? It seems like an existential, weird, mystic question. It really isn't. But if you do believe there's a God, 
What do you think he would want you to want? What would he think? What would you think he, your desire should be if there is a God out there? Like he wants me to be more focused on my family, maybe connect more with him, find ways to do that, get control of my finances, take care of my body, spend more time with my kids, make a difference in the world. I mean, what would God want you to want? And that's a good question. If you're with people in the room right now, when we get done here, ask that question. Be vulnerable enough to ask and answer that question. Here's another one you can deal with. Where does God want you to stay? Really difficult. That there's a, a feeling like it's too hard. I don't f- feel called to go somewhere else. We're going to talk about that next, next week, where when we go, when it would be easier to stay. But now it's just got hard. And leaving and quitting would be easier than staying. And sometime in your life, if not already, you're going to experience that. That some obstacle, something has got in your way, and it's going to be like, ah, do I put my head down? Do I push through? Or do I give up? For example, uh, if you're a teenager, a, a high school student, or older, you're a college kid. Most of us, for some, at some point, were tempted to quit and give up. A lot of us, listen, I know college and school is so bizarre and different right now, but most of us, when we start a new thing like college, in the first month or so, we're homesick and we want to give up and quit. Uh, As a youth pastor for a bazillion years, I took those calls and so many times I'd say, just stay, just stay. It gets better. It gets better. But you want to leave. Or you get down the road and you say, man, it's too hard. The financing is too difficult. Uh, I I don't think I can. It's just so difficult. And you want to quit. And you can just give up. Or your story can be, you know what? I didn't quit. It seemed difficult. I didn't know where my next school payment was going to come from. I didn't even have gas for my little uh, Carmagia. Uh, I didn't have any support from my family. Uh, but listen, here's my story. I, kept, I just took the next step forward. And God kept showing up. And he only showed me the very next step. He didn't show me the future. But I kept going. I kept going. And all of a sudden... Maybe it took you seven and a half years instead of four years. You said, hey, I got a degree. And with that degree, I got this job. And it turned out better than I ever thought I could. And I'm so thankful that I kept at it, that I put my head down, that I did the next right thing because it paid off. Maybe for the rest of us, maybe at some point you got disappointed with God or you will be disappointed with God in the future. Something happens in your life and you say, man, God, I understand the world's full of pain, but how could you let that happen? And it continues to go on, and it hurts. And we say, nope. And your story could be, you know what? God didn't come through for me. It hurt too much, and I just decided to walk away. Or that can be completely different. You could say, I decided to stay with God, and I let him know how I felt. I told him I didn't understand what he was doing. And emotionally, I said, I hated it, but I stayed with him because I knew that God would never leave me or forsake me. So I stayed with God. And as time went on, all of a sudden, something changed. And I look back over those painful periods, the difficult times where I didn't know what God was doing. In fact, was kind of mad at God. And I can look back and say, hey, God used bad and turned it into good. That the pain in my life, he used to make me and the people around me better. That could be your story. Or... Last one. You're in a marriage and you're like, uh, nah, this ain't working. 
Two really quick disclaimers, because some of you have been pushing back inside your brain since we started this. If you've been through a bad relationship or a bad marriage or whatever, and, and you walked away or someone walked away from you, there's no judgment there. No past guilt. I, where you've been and what you did, you know me, if you, if you know me. I'm not a guilt person. That's in the past, no guilt. If you were or in a present abuse type of situation, of course get out of there. Of course leave. We're not ever saying, hey, you made a commitment for God and others, and even though you're being abused, you should stay. Absolutely not. That is not what we're saying. But in the normal course of marriage, it gets really difficult. If you're in a close relationship with anybody, it gets super difficult. And there's times where you say, you know what? I'm not happy. This person in, in our society says, it's okay, leave. This person's not meeting my needs. In fact, the trainer at the gym pays more attention to me than my own spouse. Or if you knew how boring my spouse was and how the people at work are so much more fun, you'd understand why I left. Or your story can be, listen, hey kids, we tried. We tried, we did our best, it just didn't work. Our marriage was struggling like all marriages do, and instead of keeping at it, we tried, it just didn't work, we're sorry. Or it could be totally different. You could write a different story. You could say, you know what? We want a story to tell down the road, and it was really difficult. In fact, we knew we couldn't murder each other, so we prayed for each other's death. I mean, we did not like each other. We didn't get along at all. But you know what? We stopped. We got some counseling. We got involved with faith. We got a power bigger than ourselves involved in our relationship. We got involved with other couples. We got into a, 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 a real life group. We got, we got with other people who could say, yeah, we've been there. Yeah, we know what you're feeling. Keep at it. Keep going because there's something better down the road. And you guess what, kids? After 35 years of marriage, we're still standing. It, 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 it looked difficult and we thought it was over. It was never going to get better, but we got some help and it got better. That could be your story. Now, some of you are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. My spouse cheated on me. Isn't that grounds for divorce? Yes, it is. It is grounds for divorce. It's also grounds for forgiveness. And, and I have the pleasure and pain of dealing with couples all the time where unfaithfulness creeps into their relationship. And I can tell you, I've sat with so many couples, I'm telling you, who decide to stay at it, that one party had to choose to forgive, they got counseling, they got help, they took some time, and they're thriving better than they were before. I'm not saying you have to stay. I'm saying you don't have to leave. If, if you were cheated on, you don't have to leave. You're free to, but maybe there's forgiveness and maybe a better story ahead. So what do you do now? What do you do now? You're not a quitter. You're a finisher. As you sit here this morning, you're like, hey, I don't have anything going on right now. Okay, well, commit to stay um, when your future says go. In the future, when you're tempted to leave, when you're tempted to walk away, make the decision now. Now's the time to make that decision, not wait till the middle of all the emotion that comes around a difficult time. That you say, you know what? I'm staying in my marriage. I'm staying connected to God. I'm staying at this job. I mean, just because it gets difficult doesn't mean walk away. It's not a very good story. No story ends with, yeah, it was really difficult, so I quit. Not a good story. Or commit not to quit today. Make that decision. That you're in the middle of something difficult time. Again, we'll talk more about leaving next week. But right now, you're in the midst of a difficult time. 
Your job is not what you thought it should, would be. Your relationships around you aren't the way you want them. Your relationship with God is really stale. And maybe this whole quarantine time has isolated you and you're all inward and you're just churning inside your own brain. You're like, ah, I just want something different. I want to change. I want to. And in that process, you may give up on stuff that's great. If you're a church person or not, um, sometimes we look at our life and we say, man, it's a boring life. It's a boring job. We've got boring kids and a boring marriage. And we just, you know, here's a great principle. I had to learn it the hard way. That sometimes the greatest act of faith is faithfulness. I remember being in college and really felt all alone. Um, parents had divorced. My great-looking, awesome girlfriend had ripped up my heart and stomped all over it for 10 months. Then she came to her senses and she married me. But for 10 months, it was really horrible. And there was this moment where I'm like, ah, I'm done. I don't want to stay in school. I just want to just get me out of here. And there was a sense, probably because of my connection with God, where I just said, nope, get up, take the next, do the next right thing. And after that, do the next right thing. Then do the next right thing. The greatest act of faith, if you're a follower of Jesus, one of the greatest acts of faith is just to be faithful. And that can be routine sometimes. And it can feel boring sometimes. But that's how you get to telling a good story because you're a finisher, not a quitter. Um, Paul tells us in the New Testament, don't go weary, weary in doing good. Sometime, at the proper time, eventually, you're going to reap a harvest if you don't give up. There's good stuff come. Listen, don't give up. You're not a quitter. You're a finisher. There's something good. And it seems like it's a long way away. And it, it, may, be, it may be a while. But if you give up now, you're going to miss out. You'll never know what you'll miss out on. Finally, the greatest part of the story is to commit to the story rescuer. Really quickly, there's this, Jesus is the rescuer. As Boaz came in and rescued Ruth and eventually Naomi, Jesus offers that to you. In your worst condition, Jesus offers you rescue. When Jesus was in, if you know the story of Jesus, he's in this garden before he's going to be arrested and he's going to be crucified, killed. The sins of the world are going to be placed on him. Then he's going to rise from the dead and, and, and prove he's not just some dude. But at that moment, he's 100% man, 100% God. He's sitting in a garden. He's praying to God, his father, and he says, God, please, I don't want to do this. If there's any other way to do this, get me out of here. God, I would like to quit right now because the anticipation of the physical and emotional and spiritual pain that's about to happen, I don't want to do. So if there's any other way, let's do it that way. And then he says, but God, Father, your will, not my will. And he gets up and he moves in a direction of love and sacrifice for you. He's your story rescuer. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. Listen, Jesus stayed the course. Jesus didn't give up. Jesus finished the course for you to have a future. Jesus finished the course so you can experience forgiveness. And like the cry of William Wallace, Jesus finished the course for your freedom. You don't have to be controlled by sin. You don't have to be controlled by pain. You don't have to be controlled by all the junk around you in the world that Jesus fought and paid for your freedom so you can live a great story. Let's pray. God, thank you. We take for granted the, the sacrifice of Jesus. If 
those of us raised in the church, we hear it all the time. It becomes just commonplace. For those of us who are new to faith, it, it, it seems um, like it's impossible. But God, we thank you that you saw our condition, you knew we needed rescue, and you offered Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, we got some big stuff coming in the future. Hang in there with us. Uh, really, just trust me. We're going to make some changes. We're going to connect. It, we're going we're gonna to do the best we can to tell a better story individually, but as a real-life story as well. Have a great, great week. See ya. Love ya. Bye. Thanks again for joining us today. So grateful that you would take the time just to hang out with us for a little bit. Don't forget we got some big changes coming up in how we do our online services, so look for announcements for that. And also, September 6th is our big Mission Sunday where we're going to tell you all about our trip to Dunes. We'll see you guys there and have a great day.